everything you've given us, Lord. Uh, we love you, Lord. We love you. Let us just fall more and more in love with you. More and more. In your name, amen. All right, so we are going to be in the book of Hosea today. So <clears throat> if you have your Bibles, turn to Hosea chapter 1. We're going to be one starting in 1 verse 2. Um, but before that, uh, I'm going to give you a little bit of backstory of kind of like what's going on uh, between, between Israel and the Lord. So <clears throat> we're going to go back to a little bit way back. So we're going to go to Genesis 12, and it's when uh, the Lord encountered Abram for the, for the first time, or not the first time, but it's when he spoke to his promises over him. And Abram is later named Abraham. So what's happening is the Lord sees Abraham, sees how faithful he is. And, but Abraham is the, uh, the, is the beginning of Israel. So the Lord sees Abraham and he says, oh, I'm going to give you the, these blessings, these, I'm going to give you, I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to bless your family. I'm going to bless uh, your children's family and everyone around you that encounters you is going to be blessed through you. Um, and I'm going to tell it from a little bit of a, uh, this backstory, a little bit from a different narrative. Since Abraham is basically the beginning, is the start of Israel, the bride of the Lord, we're going to tell it from like, uh, the groomsman and the, a bride's perspective just to get to where we are in Hosea. So the Lord sees Israel, Abraham, right? The Lord sees, and he sees how beautiful, how beautiful she is and how she's seeking relationship with the Lord, with the Father. <clears throat> so he comes to Israel and he says, he says, come with me, let's build a life together. Let's build a family together. I have this land for you that I'm preparing. I have this land that our children are going to be able to grow up in and we'll be able to raise them together and I'm going to bless our kids. I'm going to bless our children's children. I'm going to bless those who bless us, and I'm going to curse those who curse us. My storehouses for you are greater than anything you've ever seen. Come be with me. Come be my bride. Leave your family and join, and join me. Let's begin our story together. So obviously Israel just melts, just melts at, the, at this proposal from the Lord, and, and she leaves her family to go, to go be with him. And so they, they make their way uh, to this land that he's promised, and they get there, um, and they, sorry, let me get some water. <clears throat> you know, they get there, they're living, they're living in their new home, they're building this life together, they're, they're creating their story, they're getting, <clears throat> they, they, along the way they have a little bit of some kerfuffles with their neighbors, they have some kerfuffles, some little fights with each other, with even with family. But they, her, um, the Lord and Israel, they, they figure it out and they, and they deal with things accordingly. Um, but still early on in, the re in their relationship, Israel goes, uh, the land that they're living in gets this famine. So the Lord sees this famine that they're in and he takes, he takes Israel and he says, let's, let's move to Africa real quick. I have... I have I have um, food for you there. I have, I'm going to take care of you there. So they get there, and the Lord introduces Israel to Egypt. And Egypt and Israel, it's this, it's this instant uh, connection. 
um, before, the, before the Lord can say anything, really, Israel uh, tells Egypt, like, what's happening? Oh, there's this famine in the land. Uh, we've had to, like, fight our neighbors sometimes. We don't always get along with everybody, but sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. And uh, Egypt just jumps at the opportunity, just jumps at the opportunity to help, to help Israel. Egypt is doing well. They have, they've stored up what they need during this time of uh, famine just to pour out um, onto, other, onto others. So Egypt and her kids, they pour out onto Israel uh, with food. They say, come live with us during this time of famine. They bring them in, they house them, they give them land. Uh, God sees the, the abundance that, that Egypt has shown and the favor that Egypt has shown to Israel. So he showers wealth and prosperity. And they stay there for years, even beyond, even beyond, um, even beyond the famine. And they, they do life together. They're, they're raising their children together, Egypt and Israel and the Lord. And they're just having a, a great time. But as the, years, as the years go by, Egypt starts to believe lies. Both, both these nations, both Egypt and Israel, they're, they're prospering greatly. But uh, because of the promises that the Lord has made with Israel, Israel is prospering and, and um, just even more than, than Egypt is. So Egypt starts to think, oh, my gosh, uh, Israel's going to kick us out of our land. They're going to take our land away from us. They're going to they're they're take over. So before... <coughs> So before they think they can do that, um, Egypt takes, takes captive Israel. And she, uh, takes captive and her Israel and her children, and she, they take them captive, and they make them their slaves. And during this time, Israel, uh, Egypt is abusing, is abusing and just totally taking advantage of Israel. And so the Lord, the Lord formulates, sees what's happening to his bride, and he's hurt. But he, he devises this plan. Initially, he asks Israel before, because God is a God of mercy, he asks, hey, let my people go. And <clears throat> Egypt says no. They don't, they don't want anything to do with it. They, they see the advantage of having, of having this prosperous nation as their slave. So the Lord just sends all these plagues, plague after plague after plague after plague. Finally, Egypt uh, relinqu relinquishes control of Israel and her children. He gives them back to the Lord. <clears throat> and so the Lord takes, takes his bride and he clothes her and he gives her food and he, he makes sure that she has things to drink, uh, drink. He has a place to live, a place where they can, can um, kind of like rehabilitate on their way back to their home. Egypt initially tries to take them back, but the Lord is such a good father and such a good husband that he protects uh, Israel from this attack from Egypt to try to get the Israelites back. And he just thwarts it. It, it, leaves, it leaves Egypt in, in shambles. And they never recover to the height of prosperity that they were once at when they were, when they were living in union with, with Israel. So the, the Lord and Israel and her children, they're in the desert, right? <clears throat> they're in the wilderness. And they're making their way back home to their promised land. And the Lord sees that Israel is wounded. She's hurt. She has some mis mistrust that she's dealing with. She's been living in the land of Egypt. She's worshiping um, other, other gods. So he, th he then enacts, he, build, he creates these laws and these almost like these regulations to show, 
to show Israel how to, how to begin, how to have relationship with him again and not just, <clears throat> and not worship these, these false idols. So he creates, creates these laws and these, like, these regulations, kind of like these household regulations. Hey, do this. So it's, it's going to help show that, you, that we need relationship again. We can't just be um, me taking care of you. I want, I want to be with you. I want to I know who you are. I don't want it just to be this very bland, bland thing. I know you're hurting. I know, I know you've worshipped these other gods and things like that. So he enacts these laws. They finally make their way. They get to the border of, of this promised land that, he, that he's given them to get back in, and they realize that there's squatters in, in the land. These people have come in and kind of taken over and are living in the land. And so the Lord turns to Israel and says, it's, it's going to be okay. I'll take care of it. Let's, let's, let's just go in. We'll, I'll fight it off. we'll fight them off together, and we'll push them out. We'll push them out, right? Some of Israel's, a lot of Israel's children, they decide, no, we don't want that. We, we don't trust that you can protect us. We don't, we don't believe that you can protect us, even though you've given us food, even though you've shown us the way, even though you've shown us that you are Yahweh, that you are the one and true living God. We don't, we don't believe that you can protect us from them. They're, they're too, they're, there's too many of them in that land. We're just going to stay here in the wilderness. So the Lord, he, he leaves them behind, him and Israel and some of her children. They then move in. They move back into the land. They, they force out the squatters, those that have, that have come in. <coughs> and they start, they start building family again. They start living in unity. Israel is still struggling with with worshiping these idols from the other other lands, one in particular is Baal. Um, con- continuously, it's just like this up and down, up and down thing. One day they're doing really well; they're worshiping the Lord, they're living in, uh, they're they're in trust and relationship. And then the next, they go back to worshiping idols, and they're just <clears throat> in this in this uh, struggle, this up and down struggle. And finally, Israel sees what her that her neighbors have control of, of the land and con, uh, they, they have control of relationship with their gods. And Israel says, I want that. I want to lead, lead the way in our relationship. I don't want this to be a relationship. I want to say what we're going to do. So Israel and the Lord, they get in this fight and the Lord says, fine, you can have, you can have control in this, in this relationship. If, you, if, you, if that's what you really want, you can have that. So Israel then places kings and enacts kings and this, a new, this new kingdom. And uh, at the start, it, it kind of goes well because the, the kings that he, she, she had set in place actually are, uh, they love the Lord. They desire relationship with the Lord. So they're, they're going in the right direction. They begin to prosper. They're, they're kicking out their enemies. They're, they're creating allies with other nations. They're building this this prosperity, and then, <clears throat> but as that goes on, uh, the kings that were, that had great relationship with the Lord, they begin to die out, and Israel begins to go back to her, her old ways of just continually worshiping other gods, worshiping other idols, and so there, we, we're starting to get to the point where we are at in Hosea, where there's this total loss of relationship with the Lord. And it's just become this religion of let me just do this and then I'll be in right standing and I can live however I want to live. We're only going to do uh, what the Lord has asked us to do more out of tradition than we are going to be doing it out of relationship. 
So Israel now, now in Hosea, where we're at in this time period, Israel is at the height, or is at the back end of the height of prosperity. They're doing great financially. They're doing great. They have great allies. Their military is at, is at almost all-time high. Um, but again, their relationship with the Lord is almost zero. They have no, they have no relationship. The leaders are corrupt. The families, the families are, are breaking down. <clears throat> the, the religious leaders do nothing to, cor- to correct this, um, the worship of idols. In fact, they are also worshiping idols. And um, they're literally just sitting in the position but not acting how they should be in that, in that position. And you can see this just like this heartbreak, this loss of relationship. So the Lord is in, is in this, this great pain, this agony of like my bride, the one who I've pursued from the moment I saw her, is no longer wants to be with me. She's just going after these other, these other idols. So then the Lord sends in, <clears throat> or he reali- the Lord realizes that he needs to divorce Israel. He needs to, to cut ties, so to speak, so that she would realize the, the need she has for him and that it's been him giving, him, giving them this prosperity and this, and this peace and this freedom this entire time. But he realizes that he can't convince her any, anymore while he's there. So he says, no, we're going to, I need divorce. So then he sends in Hosea, um, the prophet Hosea, which a little, a little fun wordplay with the Lord is, not wordplay, but the Lord, uh, the, the meanings of, of names are a big thing with the Lord. And Hosea means salvation. And Hosea is a representative of the Lord. Um, so he, so, which, and Hosea means deliverance and salvation. But Hosea is a representative of the Lord in this story. So now here we are in Hosea. <coughs> turn there. Hosea chapter 1, verse, verse 2. When the Lord... When the Lord first began speaking to Israel through Hosea, he said to him, go and marry a prostitute so that some of her children will be conceived in prostitution. This will illustrate how Israel has acted like a prostitute by turning against the Lord and worshiping other idols. Go and marry a prostitute. This is, this is the illustration that the Lord, this is how the Lord feels. He has this love for Israel, but Israel has come out into this, um, this, ugly, this ugly thing of prostitution. I'm going to worship other idols. And idolatry is adultery to the Lord. There, there's, there's, no, there's no difference between, between that when it comes to the Lord. Idolatry is adultery to the Lord. Israel is his bride. So not only was <clears throat> Israel worshiping these other gods, these, these man-made idols, rather than the superior creator, the one who's pursued them, the one who's loved them more than anything in the world, they begin uh, sleeping with other gods, so to speak. They begin cheating on the Lord. So again, you can imagine the pain that the Lord is going through in this moment as he's trying to navigate his relationship with the Lord. She, has, she wants nothing to do with him. <clears throat> and I, you know, I look at it and I'm like, man, how? How does Israel see all the things that the Lord has done? She's, he, uh, he's brought them from Egypt. He's clothed them. He's loved them. He's given this, them this prosperity but yet they believe they've, they've fallen into this lie 
that that this um, they've fallen into this lie that it wasn't the Lord that that got them to this point. And again, we take it to, to our times. Do do we do this in our lives? I see it a lot in today's. I see it a lot in today's church, especially uh, being in the states for the past three years. I've seen it a lot of of a lot of times we take, I've seen people take their eyes off of Jesus and they put them on other, on other things that takes their focus and their devotion away from their relationship with the Lord. And, you know, <clears throat> one of the big things, again, since we're already in the topic of adultery, like a sex outside of marriage or things like that are, are, a bit, are a big thing of like idols in people's lives and stuff like that. But it could also be as simply as reading another book or just having a love for reading, and you, you read so much that it takes your devotion time away from your relationship from the Lord. It could be your work. Are you pouring so much into your work that you are not having relationship with the Lord? So it's, I, I say this because <clears throat> I want to look back at the history of, of who we are because we're grafted into this, this, this bride. So let's look back at our history. History is bound to repeat itself if you don't know it. So we look back at this history. What what is Israel doing? They've they've taken off. They've taken their eyes off the Lord. They've they've put it. They've put their attention, their their focus, their devotion into other things. And the <clears throat> the Lord doesn't doesn't want you just to be this this robotic like being like that that the Israelites have become, where it's just like oh let's just do this out of tradition. Let's just go to church on Sundays because you know. That's what that's what our our family does. We go to church on Sundays, and then we just live however however we want to live. That's not what the Lord wants. The Lord wants relationship over what religion has become, which is this which is robotic, and and just lifeless. I'm going to turn to Hosea, chapter chapter six. Um, I'm going to start from verse one, and. In Hosea, the in Hosea the Lord, you know, he come he comes in and he t- he he has Hosea marry a prostitute as this example of what the Lord has done, uh, or what Israel has done to the Lord, and she's cheating on him. And then he goes through and and he he starts listing off all he, um, all the things that she's done. Like, look at what you've done to me. I'm gonna I'm gonna pull away from relationship with you now, since you have pulled away from relationship with me. But then it's Israel has this like kind of like call to repentance moment um, that's, that's not so great. It sounds really good, but it's not. So I'm just going to read it. It says, come, let us return to the Lord. He has torn us to pieces. Now he will heal us. He has injured us. Now he will bandage our wounds in a short time. He will restore us so that we may live in his presence. Oh, that we might know the Lord and let us press on to know him. He will respond to us as surely as the arrival of dawn or the coming rain of early spring. And it, so it sounds really good. It sounds like, okay, Israel's on the right track, but the Lord sees through this, this shallow repentance of <clears throat> the shallow repentance of Israel and of the people of, of Israel. And he replies, Oh, Israel and Judah, what should I do with you? Asks the Lord. For, the lo- for your love vanishes like a morning mist and disappears like dew in the sunlight. I sent my prophets to cut you to pieces, to slaughter you with my words, 
with the judgments as inescapable as life. I want you to show love and not offer sacrifices. I want you to know me more than I want your burnt offerings. See, they were, they were trying to go, Israel was trying to go back to this of like, okay, we'll just, we'll just do what he had asked us to do so many years ago in the desert. We'll, we'll go back to our sacrifices. Everything will be okay. But the Lord's, he's trying to, conv- he's trying to tell them and convince them, hey, no, I, that was never the point. The point was relationship. I wanted relationship with you. I wanted to do life with you. That was just to show you that you needed relationship with me. That was just to show you that you needed relationship with me. And God is such a good God. He's a loving God. Again, he wants to be in every aspect. He wants to be in every aspect of our lives. He desires relationship with us over our worship. I'm not saying that that we no longer worship him in in that sense. What I'm saying is if we worship him outside of relationship or without relationship, then what's the point? God doesn't see a point in it. He wants relationship. He He wants us to worship him, but out of relationship. He wants us to love him. He will again he wants to be in every aspect of our lives. How do we, how, again, Israel fell into this. How do we not, how do we not, how do we not do that? How do we not fall into this, into this cycle that Israel has fallen to in, in our day-to-day lives? Like, how, how do we correct that? And um, it's funny, but, you know, we look at Jesus. So, you know, WWJD, what would Jesus do, <laughs> so to speak? Um, and we look at Jesus, what did he do? He only did, he only did what, what he saw the Father do. And he, so he, he brought the father in relationship with him. He looked at what the father was doing in his life. And so that's how Jesus modeled his life. He would, he would go and he would, he would set, a time, uh, set aside time for just one-on-one time to maintain this relationship with his father. And he's, Jesus was this example for us. So we just, one of the major things is, is we, yes, we accept Jesus into our, our life. We, we, we want him in our day-to-day lives because that's where he wants us. Uh, he wants us to be. So we should want that as well. But also, we need to set aside time in our day-to-day lives to pull away from everything and have this this just this one-on-one time. <clears throat> um, yeah, and that that's how that's how we correct. That's how we stop this this cycle. That, that Israel was continue that Israel was continually in. Another thing, <clears throat> when I when I was reading, when I was going through Hosea, I you know I'm am jumping around Hosea. It's not going to be this this full this full thing of this story. Hosea is really a beautiful book. Um, if you look at it as just God's judgment, it's really not. There's just these so many instances of of the Lord trying to lo- uh, love Israel. And, and draw her back. And the thing, one thing that I was reminded of when going through Hosea is uh, God, God has feelings. God is a God of emotion. Um, I want to read, we're going to jump back to Hosea 2. Um, and we're just going to, I'm going to read through it. And I want you to listen um, I want you to listen to how the Lord is, is speaking to Israel, like the, the verbiage he's using, how, 
how, how he's describing it or, and how he's describing just the things in it. All right, let me read it. But now, bring char- but now bring charges against Israel, your mother, for she is no longer my wife. I am no longer her husband. Tell her to remove the prostitute's makeup from her face and the clothing that exposes her breasts. Otherwise, I will strip her as naked as she was on the day she was born. I will leave her to die of thirst as in the dry and barren wilderness. I will not show her children mercy and they will, because they were conceived out of prostitution. Their mother is a shameless prostitute and, and became pregnant in a shameful way. <coughs> she, said, she said, I'll run after other lovers and sell myself to them for food and water, for, for clothing of wool and linen and for the olive oil and drinks. For this reason, I will fence her in and and with thorn bushes. I will block her path uh, with a wall to make her lose her way. When she runs after her lover, she she won't be able to catch them. She will search for them, but not find them. Then she will think, I might as well return to my husband, for I was better off with him than I am now. She doesn't realize that it was I who gave her everything that she's, that she's ever has, the grain, the new wine, the olive oil. I even gave her silver and gold, but she gave all my gifts to Baal. But now I will take back a ripened grain and a new wine I generously provided each harvest. I will take away the wool and the linen I gave her to cover her nakedness. I'm going to skip down to, uh, to verse 14. And it's, it's the Lord showing after his accusation of telling her it's the Lord telling her how much he loves her and his desire for relationship but then I will win her back once again I will lead her into the desert and speak tenderly to her there and we want to stop right there lead her into the desert it's like oh I don't want to go back into the desert that sounds horrible no the what he's saying is I'm gonna pull her away from all these distractions all these things that have taken her focus and uh, so that me and her, we can have this one-on-one time. We can then begin this, this relationship again. <coughs> so, and I will return her vineyard to her and transform the valley of trouble into a gateway of hope. She will give herself to me there as she did long ago when she was young. When I freed her from her captivity in Egypt, when that day comes, says the Lord, you will call me my husband instead of my master. I'm going to go back to verse 8 when he says, I even gave, uh, the Lord says, I even gave her silver and gold, and she gave all my gifts to Baal. Um, Baal was a god that they worshipped um, in the surrounding areas. Uh, and it, was, it became so much so a part of, a part of their culture that uh, <coughs> the, the meaning for the name Baal is lord or master or possessor owner or obtainer or husband so sometimes when when israel would refer to their their actual husband they would they would refer that the word they would use is Baal. <coughs> and so during that we're going to go back to right in 16 where it says when the day comes says the lord you will call me my husband the he doesn't use the the word Baal there Instead, he, he, he switches it and he uses, I, th- I think you pronounce it Ishi, which, which instead of having this possessive ownership type of relationship where I own something, I, I, I own it. It's actually this, this relational thing. So again, he's drawing, this, he's drawing, drawing Israel. Hey, you are not going to be owned by anybody. 
I want relationship with you. I want this two-way street. Instead, uh, you will call me my husband. You will call me Ishi instead of my master, my possessor, Baal. <clears throat> o Israel, I will wipe the many names of Baal from, from your lips. I will wipe the names of those who have owned you, who have captured you. You will never mention them again. And it's just, it's, it's so beautiful. Just the, the emotion that, that the Lord shows towards towards Israel and just this relationship that he's, that he's created. Another one that I'm going to read. I'm doing a lot of the Bible reading today, um, but I love it. There's nothing wrong with that. So in Hosea chapter 11, he, he's now talking to Israel instead of as a bride, as a son. So when Israel was a child, I loved him. And I, called, I, and I called my son out of Egypt. But the more I called him, the farther he moved from me, offering sacrifices to the images of Baal and burning incense to the idols. I myself taught Israel how to walk, leading him along by hand. He doesn't know or even care that it was I who took care of him and led him all along with the ropes of kindness and love, I lifted yoke and the yoke from his neck, and I myself stooped to feed him. And since my people refuse to return to me, they will return to Egypt and will be forced to serve Assyria. War will swirl through their cities. <clears throat> their enemies will crash through their gates. They will destroy them, trapping them in their own evil plans. For my people are determined to desert me. They call me the Most High, but they do not truly honor me. You can see or you can hear just the pain in his voice as a father of, of, raising, of raising his son only for his son just to turn against and abandon him. <clears throat> but he, he, again, he doesn't give up hope even through all these accusations and, and saying that he's been divorced. He still gives them hope that he won't, that he won't stop pursuing Israel. And in, in verse 8 of 11, it goes, Oh, how can I give you up, Israel? How can I let you go? How can I destroy you like Adma or demolish you like Zeb Zebion? My heart is torn within me and my compassion overflows. No, I will not unleash my fierce anger. I will not completely destroy Israel. For I am a God and not a mere mortal. I am the Holy One living among you. I will not destroy I will not come to destroy. For someday the people will, will follow me, and I, the Lord, will roar like a lion. And when I roar, my people will return trembling from the west like flocks of birds. They will come from Egypt trembling like doves. They will return from Assyria, and I will bring them home again, says the Lord. <clears throat> you can just see the love and the, the, the tenderness of the Lord. And that's why I was saying that I was just reminded of how emotional the Lord is. You know, we're again, we're created for intimacy, not to, we're created for this emotional relationship with the Lord. God isn't this stoic, he's not the stoic being of like, oh yes, give me your worship and then I'll, I'll, I'll prosper you. He's such a God of emotion, as you, can, as you can hear in his voice. He is a God of love. He's empathetic. He's empathetic. He gets sad. He gets joyful. He gets angry. 
sometimes God gets angry at us. I mean, you can see it here and through, and, uh, through, those, through the passages I just read. But even you can see how angry he gets in verse 5, uh, 14 through 15. I will be like a lion to Israel, like a strong young lion to Judah. I will tear them to pieces. I will carry them off, and no one will be left to rescue them. And then, But then I will return to my place until they admit their guilt and turn to me. For as soon as trouble comes, they earnestly search for me. You can see just the, the rage that's built up as a husband that he sees his, his wife, his lover, go and love somebody else. He's, th- this rage builds up within him and this anger. Sometimes when we take our eyes off the Lord and we, we get these idols in our lives, the Lord is, he, gets this, he gets angry. Sometimes he gets angry at us. For the longest time, I never thought the Lord would, got angry at us. And I'm not, <clears throat> it's, not a, it's not a bad thing. I think a lot of times we confuse uh, anger with hatred in our culture today. If, if he's angry at me, then he must hate me. But no, sometimes the Lord gets angry at us because of the choices we're, we're continually making, and it's separating us from him. It's, separa- it's, it's severing our relationship with the Lord. So sometimes he gets angry with us. I'm not saying that anger is his go-to emotion when we make mistakes or we stop listening. But I am saying he does get angry with us sometimes. <clears throat> Again, for so long, I was deceived thinking God was just this stoic being. But the more I pursue him in relationship, I realize that he is the most emotional person that I've ever met. He gets excited for the most random things sometimes. He, he's just, he's amazing. He gets sad when, when, I, don't, when I don't spend time with him when, when I should. He gets happy when, when I just take a little bit of a moment out of my day to say hello. Like, oh, I've waited, I've waited for you to say hello to me today. I'm so excited that, you, that, that you're here to say hello. He's just, again, he's just the most, sometimes, he's just the most emotional person that I know. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. <coughs> um, I think, and again, I remember one time I was, I, was, I was in the States and we were praying for these people um, in, in this prayer line. And I was, I was going through, you know, like super, uh, kind of not super holy, but sometimes in moments when you get a little bit holier than thou, and you're like, oh, I am the Lord's servant. And I remember I came, I, this, this lady, and I was like, oh, Lord, how do you, how do, what, what does she need? What do you want? What do you want me to, to say to her? What, what are you speaking to her? And she, she was very serious, just like hands. She's like try, trying to see what the, what the Lord had for her. And I hear the Lord say, I want you to boop her on the nose. And I'm like, what? And excitingly, he goes, I want you to boop her on the nose like she's a child. And I was like, and it, it's, again, it's, again it's, it's, this, it's this moment of like really like deep intimacy. And, we're, and again, we're praying for these people. And she's, you know, she's very serious. I'm like, I don't know if this is going to go well, Lord. And he, again, he excitedly goes, I want you to boop her on the nose. So, okay, so I go over there, and I boop her on the nose, and she just erupts 
with, with laughter, and she begins crying. And it's, I saw then, it's just, again, the Lord, want, he loves emotion, and he loves to give emotion. He loves to love on us. He loves to bring us back to, to our childhood of just, oh, just a simple droop on the nose. It's, it's amazing. And uh, another time, again, just to show the humor and just the, of the Lord, I, um, I, I had this friend, and <coughs> he had once dated this, this, um, this witch, and she, she would often send him animals after they had, like, after they had broken up, like whenever she was thinking about them. It was kind of weird. Like she would, she, he was walking around one day, and this cat walked in front of him, and he instantly like thought of his of his ex of his ex girlfriend. And she then like texts him moments later, "Hey, did you get the cat that I sent you? I sent. I was just thinking about you, so I, I sent you this cat. Hopefully, it cheers up your day." Um, so <coughs> she she sometimes often reaches out to him. I don't think as much anymore, but she but she used to. Like, this friend loves the Lord now, so it's it's all it's all good. But he was going through this this hard time um, with 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 another girl that he had asked out, and, and she said no, and so he's kind of kind of going through a hard time. Um, oddly enough, his his the the witch the ex girlfriend had reached out to him, and she was like, "I'm gonna send you animals. Don't even worry, it'll cheer you up." So I was like, I was like, "No, we can't have this." So. Um, I'm like, Lord, Holy Spirit, um, can, can we send, like, holy animals? Like, is that, is that a thing? Can we do that? And the whole, I hear the Holy Spirit just kind of, like, erupts, like, with laughter. And it's like, of course we can send animals to, to people to cheer, to cheer them up. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. She, she thought it was so funny. I don't know. Or he thought it was so funny. I don't know why. But she thought it was so funny. So. I, I am like, okay, Lord, um, he, he likes dogs and, and birds. So I was like, uh, let's send him, can we send him a brown dove and a German shepherd? And I, so I text him, I was like, hey, man, um, I asked Holy Spirit, and, you know, we're, kind of, we're blocking the animals that she's trying to send to you because um, we, we, don't, we don't want those animals um, around you, you know? So... <laughs> We, uh, he's like, okay. So I was like, but I'm sending you some like holy animals, so to speak, of this of this German Shepherd and and this dove. Um, they're sent from the Lord. They don't carry any evil spirits or anything like that. They carry the Holy Spirit. So later that day, a brown dove lands next to him, and sits there for a couple moments, and then flies off. And then again, going on throughout his day, he then encounters <laughs> this German Shepherd that it, that he was able to see and and love on. It was just. <coughs> It was super funny. The Lord loves to spoil us. Again, he's such a God of emotion. He's not this, 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 stoic, this stoic being. He loves us and desires relationship with us. So much so to the extent of, sending, of being able to send animals to other people because he thinks it's funny to, to thwart the plans of, of the enemy or evil. He's like, no, we'll do it, but we'll do it better. But yeah, the Lord, he loves us, and he desires relationship with us. And I think, I think that's one of the most beautiful things ever. So if you got anything out of, out of today, it's just 
go after relationships with the Lord. Don't, don't fall in, into religion. Um, but invite the Lord into your everyday lives. And just invite him in. Spend one-on-one time with him. Figure out what he likes about you. What, what he loves that you do. Ask him what he thinks is funny. Again, he's a person. He's not this far away being. We are in the new covenant. He's living inside of us. He loves us. He wants to build relationship with every single one of us. Lord, we love you. We thank you for everything you've given us. Lord, help us just to pursue relationship with you better and better. Reveal any idols, if we have any, in our lives so that we can just refocus our devotion and our attention to you, Lord. We love you, Lord, so much. In Jesus' name.